Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Rest for the weary. Now, I'm going to literally be opening up the Bible, so, and I'm going to be holding almost the whole time and reading from 3 and chapter 4. But just before I do that, I need to set the table and remind you a little bit about what Jacob and I have been talking about in the book of Hebrews. First thing I want to remind you is some key words in Hebrews which will help you understand it and interpret it more properly. The one key word that's used at least 11 times throughout the book of Hebrews is the word better. We, we see that thrown around in society all the time. But truly, Jesus is better. You also see the word thrown around a lot in Hebrews, and that is the word greater. And then finally, the word I really like to use, you'll see used at least four times in the book of Hebrews is the word superior. All throughout the book of Hebrews, the author wants everyone to understand that Jesus is superior. Now, for you and me, this seems like common ground. But put yourself back in that day, and you need to do that when you interpret Scripture. The great saints were Moses and Joshua and David and Abraham. Jesus was a common criminal that was nailed to a tree, and that was the prevailing winds in society all over the world, and there was only a few compared to the masses that believed that Jesus was just an ordinary man. They needed to hear this. The Christians needed to be encouraged with this news that Jesus is superior than all the religious people that we hold in high esteem. Don't lose that fact. Don't quit believing that. And he reminds the Hebrew people of that over and over again. In chapter 3, the last half of chapter 3 and in in chapter 4, we're going to come across the word rest frequently. God wants to communicate to us that he wants to give you and me rest. I'm reminded when Jesus walked the face of this earth and he confronted the religious establishment about the burden, like the government putting a burden upon us with taxation, the religious people were no different. They were putting a religious burden on the people that was unnecessary. And Jesus said this in response to that in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary, And burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're going to unpackage that a little bit in Hebrews 3 and in chapter 4. But specifically what he's talking about is spelled out in Revelation chapter 14. Exactly what does he mean by that rest? 
in Revelation 14, 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed. For they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. This is the ultimate rest that he's talking about. Yes, there is a religious rest. Yes, there is a rest for your soul when you finally make peace with God on this earth. And now you can literally lay your head down on your pillow and sleep. This kind of rest robs a lot of people. I'm reminded of the last concert that Elvis Presley gave in Las Vegas in 1976, in December. And after that concert, he went to his room, and he was, in, 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 he was distraught. And many, many times he would go up to his room after a concert, and he and his band would begin playing Christian songs because he was raised in the church, and he was used to those songs, and they brought comfort to his soul. Well, this particular evening, he took out from the Hilton Hotel a pad of paper and jotted down something and crumbled it up and threw it in the basket. And someone retrieved that. And later on, it was sold to Wayne Newton, who wrote a song called The Letter. Now, I'm not going to tell you anything about the song, The Letter, but I do want to bring to your attention the piece that robbed Elvis Presley he jotted that down on a crumpled up piece of paper that was found in the basket. Here's what it said, December 7th, 17, I mean, excuse me, 1976. I feel so alone sometimes. The night is quiet for me. I would love to be able to sleep. I am glad everyone is gone now. I will probably not rest tonight. I have no need for all this. Help me, Lord. That's the kind of rest that God wants to give you beginning now. But ultimately, he's talking about the lesser rest and progressing to the greater rest in chapter 3 of Hebrews and in chapter 4 of Hebrews. One more note before we get to reading the passage. In chapter 4, which is the main part of our text, even though we'll be reading in chapter 3, is the second warning out of five warnings given in the book of Hebrews. These are stern warnings that it's like a light going off. Warning, warning. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you. This is the second warning that God has given us in the book of Hebrews. The first one is found in Hebrews chapter 2, where it talks about drifting away or this, your ship passing you by, being able to jump aboard and be saved or, or these truths that you're kind of slipping away from your mind and your heart to where you don't live for me. That was the first warning given in Hebrews. Now the second warning is be careful about your disobedience and your unbelief. 
The second warning is about disobedience and unbelief. Again, Jesus is talking about the lesser rest. The lesser rest he's going to spell out about giving them rest from slavery as they were in bondage to the Egyptians. Then he's going to talk about the rest he wants to give them in the promised land. And then he reminds these Hebrews of these kinds of rest about the Sabbath rest in the garden when God created the heavens and the earth. And then the Sabbath rest that they actually enjoy. But ultimately, what he wants to bring to our attention, to everyone looking in online this morning and you here, is he wants to provide for you the ultimate rest through Jesus Christ. Which leads me to my 32nd testimony that I promise to give everyone everywhere I go now on a regular basis. Yahweh, Jehovah, created the heavens and the earth. He created man. Man rebelled against him and forever sealed his doom to be away from God in an eternal hell. Finally, God decided to do something about man's predicament by sending his one and only son into the world who walked a perfect life, was falsely accused, was beaten, nailed to a tree, was buried in a grave, and rose again on the third day. And God said to all of us, anyone who believes in my son, I will give them rest. That's the gospel in 30 seconds. Father, I pray that you add blessings to the reading of your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, let's begin looking at the first kind of rest as we begin reading. And if you open up your Bibles, please look on your phones. I have my Bible's going to be in my hand almost the whole time. Sometimes I just want to go like this with my notes. I love as we have Bible study with some guys on Saturday morning or when I'm with a group of people. I am so comfortable preaching from the Word of God. And I'm so uncomfortable writing my own sermon about some topic. I love God's word because it's God's word that goes forth and convinces us and convinces us of all the truths that he wants to reveal to us. But we must go back just a little bit where Jacob left off last week, beginning in verse 7. We're going to learn a little bit about the first kind of rest, and that was the rest from bondage and slavery. Beginning in verse 7, chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews. Therefore... Wait, wait, I'm reading in verse 1, so let me begin in verse 7. Today, so as the Holy Spirit says today, oh, i got to stop right there. So as the Holy Spirit says, whenever I'm with a group of guys and we start going through the Bible, and we're going to read all this stuff, and I, I, I go probably two, three words, and let's stop, let's talk about it. You ever done that? Well, it says right here, so as the Holy Spirit says Remember, the job of Jesus when he was on this earth, he said, I do only what I see my father do. I tell you only what my father told me to tell you. Remember, there's one thing the father did not tell him in the flesh, and that was the day he was coming back. So he only told his listeners what the father wanted him to say to them. The Holy Spirit, guess what he does? The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus told the apostles and all his listeners, and he helps them remember what Jesus said, besides the many other things that he did and was doing at that time, convicting people of their sin and convincing them that Yeshua is the promised Messiah that was to come to earth. 
That's the Holy Spirit's role. So the Holy Spirit spoke. This same Holy Spirit breathed into men who recorded accurately Scripture. And there's no more new revelation that would be given to men. So Scripture is God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told me these writers, and we recorded it, the writers. You and me can be led by the Holy Spirit also to say certain things, but no new revelation from God. He may even say something about our circumstances that might be new, but not new revelation. So the Holy Spirit says, today. There's always a today. Yesterday's gone, and tomorrow may never be yours. Today, if you hear his voice, now he's reminding these Hebrew people that are sitting in front of the reader of the book of Hebrews. These people are on the fence. They're ready to go back. Some of them are distraught. They've lost everything. They've lost their family. They've lost their careers. They've lost their social standings. They, they're no longer a part of the religious system. They're outcasts, and they're now living amongst the Gentiles who they hated and now becoming friends with. This is the predicament of the Hebrew listeners who are reading this or hearing it for the first time. Today, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts, I have, boy, every, every time, I just go a few inches and I got a comment. How many times has the word of God been spoken and you know people around you who need to be saved who are living in sin and they're hardening their hearts and they're gripping the seat in front of them and I've heard preachers tell story after story where the people in the pews were listening and they're gripping everything so tight they almost busted the wood on the pew. We don't have pews anymore. Be sure you don't bust the shoulder of someone in front of you. God convicts us and he convicts the saints and you can sit there and resist it, or you can go, okay, I'm wrong, God. Fix me. Don't harden your hearts. So he's speaking to believers, as Jacob and I have talked to you about. He's speaking to three types of listeners. The one that has come to Christ, the one that doesn't know Christ, and the one that looks so religious they look like Christ, but they're not. So he's saying, don't harden your hearts when you hear the word. As they did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the desert, when your fathers tested and tried me, and for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on an oath in my anger, they will never Enter my rest. So here you see for the first time the word rest that's going to be used over 11 times in the next 10, 15 verses. The word rest. He takes them back and reminds them that they were in bondage in Egypt and they cried out for 400 years, free us. Now remember, Moses went to Pharaoh let my people go. Moses was going to be their leader. They embraced him. Ah, we got someone that's going to set us free. He goes to speak to the person in charge. And now instead of lightening their load, what does Pharaoh do? He puts a greater burden on them. Moses comes back to the people. What do you think they did to Moses? 
They rebelled against him. You must understand something, saint. Sometimes it gets darker before it gets lighter. Do not give up on God. Whatever your predicament is, do not give up on God. Ask Job. Ask Daniel. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It got darker. These are characters in the Bible, if you don't know these names. That even when, when uh, Lazarus had died, remember, his sister sent a word to Jesus. We need help. Come heal Lazarus. He died. It got darker. People gave up. In fact, when Jesus came into town, they ridiculed him. Couldn't he not heal him? Sometimes it gets darker. Please, God might be testing you. Are you going through a test right now? Please, don't harden your heart. Don't give up, saint. Because if you love God, he will prove himself strong to you in the very near future. Don't faint. So he delivers them from Egyptian bondage. There was the first kind of rest that he wanted to give them. And then he takes them through the wilderness. He takes them through the Red Sea. They saw the mighty hand of God, the glory of God, like no other nation in the entire world ever experienced. And they were constantly like some of your kids and grandkids, whining and rebellion griping and complaining constantly in the wilderness. It takes a lot to tax God. It takes a lot for God to run out of patience. But eventually he ran out of patience and he swore to those that saw his mighty hand of deliverance. You will never enter the temporary rest that is the promised land. Remember, everyone that was 21 years and older never got to go into the temporary rest. And you'll never enter the eternal rest. Let me explain the rest in the land that he wanted to provide. Some did enjoy that rest, that temporary rest. Joshua 21, 43 reminds us of that temporary rest. In verse 43, it says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had swore to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord God gave them rest on every side, just as he swore to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Some people have entered that rest, that temporary rest, but some that entered that temporary rest never received eternal rest. Some never entered that temporary rest, and all those, according to Scripture, did not enter God's eternal rest. He's warning them, don't rebel like they did. You're sitting on edge right now. You're biting your fingernails. You're wondering, did I make the right decision? All my friends and family members are rejecting me because of the decision I made for Jesus Christ, and you're tempted to go back to your former ways and, make, and go back to these former idols that you've had in your life. He's saying, don't rebel. He continues in verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart 
and turns from the living God. I absolutely believe he's talking about a last person here. Because the same type of thinking is in verse 1 of chapter 4 when he said, Therefore, since the promise, promises of entering his rest still stands, he said, basically, let us be careful that none of you be found to have in sh- be falling short of it. The Bible says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. So you uh, theological uh, theologians and buffs out here, he's talking to the unbeliever in this passage, and he sometimes sprinkles in the believer in this passage when he talks about, see to it, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. You see that word used over and over again. You have a chance today. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. Today is all that you have and God reminds us he's reminding them as you hear the word being proclaimed make the adjustments tweak your lives believe on the Lord Jesus Christ while it is today he said we have come in verse 14 to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had first as Jesus Or just has been said today, if you hear his voice and do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Some never got to enjoy the rest that he promised. The temporary rest and then, of course, the eternal rest. And if you're not careful, it can elude you too. Summing up this land rest or this slavery freedom that they have. See, God had delivered his people from Egypt, and he had cared for them, revealing his power and many signs and wonders. Israel saw all of this and benefited from it, but the experience did not bring them closer to God or make them trust him more. Now, I'm bringing this out for a reason. I believe in eternal security. Too many people want to judge people's hearts whether they're saved or lost. You need to leave that up to God. Let me say, God is a big enough God to take care of his rebellious children. We must remember God is a parent to us who love him. You're not going to get away with your sins. Be sure your sins find you out. Now balance that between what God does promise us and he says... I have not treated you as your sins deserve. But if you continue, so if you want to put a believer in this passage, let me at least spell it out this way. If you want to continue your rebellious ways, after God has warned you over and over to quit sinning and rebelling against him intentionally and living in sin, not giving in to sin occasionally because we are all tempted and all have failed God. Remember this. In 1 Corinthians 11, God tells that person who's been told over and over again, here's what I told you to do. Here's the decision I want you to make. Here's the sin I want you to leave. 
You continue to rebel against me. You continue to harden your hearts and you have unbelief. What's God going to do? He said, some of you are sick because you have willfully, willfully, continually rebelled against me. This message needs to go out to the saints because the saints have watered down God's word and they're continually caving into things that they know they shouldn't cave into. Secondly, if you continue to rebel, he said, some of you have fallen asleep. He only uses the word fallen asleep to saints, not to unbelievers. Some have died early. Now, I don't want to discourage the saint that's in the race here this morning. We're talking about people who thumb their nose at God after they believed in him. And they are continuing to do the things that they know they're not supposed to do. They're not going to lose their salvation. But God is going to come after them. And he will take care of his children who do not listen to him. That's that person. Now he's also talking about the person who hasn't even gotten aboard the ship, who's not even a believer. He reminds them that you're going to miss the ultimate rest. So there's rest from the bondage, that temporary rest that he's talking to them about. Don't you Hebrews remember that? I gave them temporary rest from their enemies, from the Egyptians. Don't you remember your history that I literally brought them into the promised land, but so many people missed the rest I wanted to give them because of unbelief and because of the rebellious ways. But then he, he begins in chapter 4 to talk about a different type of rest. Let's look at that beginning in verse 1. And he's going to talk about the Sabbath. So he said, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, praise God for that opportunity. As If you have breath, you have a chance. Today is your day to receive Christ as your Savior. But he warns us, be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. And he reminds them of something, these Hebrew people. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. What was the gospel preached? I'm going to deliver you from slavery. I'm going to give you a, into the promised land. A Messiah is coming, and he's going to reign supreme, and you're all going to live with me forever. That was the good news then. And he, they, the listeners, have heard the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, that he will forgive them of sin, and he will give them eternal life. That's the good news that he's talking about. And he said, for we have also had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. It's another place to stop and talk to someone as you're reading through Scripture. Remember, it's not how fast you read Scripture, how much you read, but are you getting what you read? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, faith is the car that takes you to where you're going. Without faith. See, they experienced the glory of God. They experienced the miracles of God. They saw the, all the Egyptian army drowned in the sea. They ate the manna from heaven, the quail that God gave them. They drank 
water from a rock. They experienced the glory of God. They were surrounded with the good news. They were partakers of the good stuff that came to everybody. And you can be in the church today and partake of all the good stuff and yet be sitting in the seat or be looking in online and be lost and you will spend eternity in hell. Just because you're rubbing shoulders with the believer does not make you a believer. Just because you experience the glory of God does not make you a believer. You must repent of your sins. That gospel is not being preached throughout the churches, throughout America and around the world. You must, you must repent of your sin and then believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not willing to do that even though they partook of all the glory of God. So sometimes we see people sitting in the church. I think Billy Graham said the greatest harvest field is in the church. People feel safe. They feel comfortable. They feel protected. They actually feel a part of, like the Israelites did, a part of what God was doing, and they were. But they missed out on his rest, the rest that he wanted to give them throughout eternity. Now he said, we who have believed, in verse 3, enter that rest just as God said so I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. I don't know about you, but the Bible tells us it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. As a saint, I fear God. Many unbelievers do not fear God. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. And so he swore to them, and he'll swear to you today, or those looking in on it, if you harden your hearts and rebel, you will not enter that rest. That actually begins now. And then he said, and yet, and then he begins to take them to another topic, and that's the Sabbath. Really, again, I want to remind you the word rest from the Hebrew word, we get the English word from the Hebrew word, Sabbath. And so that word actually can be used throughout the 11 times that it's used in chapter 3 and chapter 4. So he said, and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. I thought I needed to at least stop just for a moment and explain a little bit about that rest. See, he reminds them of the rest that the Hebrew people experienced when they were freed from the Egyptians. Then he reminds them of the unrest in the wilderness, but he finally gave them rest from all the surrounding nations. There was that type of rest. Now he's reminding them of creation when God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. And they also were to partake in working six days and rest. Now, that, he, he's trying to building a house about rest and reminding them of what the ultimate rest is found in Christ Jesus. So he explains the weekly rest. But the real Sabbath, Jesus explained in Mark 2, 27. 
You remember, they made a big deal about the Sabbath. It was an idol in, in the, their lives, what they turned it into. And Mark 27 said, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Remember, Sabbath is a noun and sabbat is a verb. It correctly means to cease from specific activity. Now, I know that's true. People try to go back to the garden when God created the earth in six days and God rested. He ceased from the activity that he was doing when he created the world in six days. But Jesus said, my father is still at work today. He is working and still at work. So you must properly begin to understand what he's talking about when he explains Sabbath to us. Well, that rest should be practiced, and it was in their day. Sabbath was from sundown Friday till sundown Saturday. But I want to solve the argument for all those who struggle with this particular day. Yes, it's okay to worship God from a Friday night to a Saturday. But is it demanded of believers? Well, let me bring you to a few scriptures that's very important. I, 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 need, to, I need to teach this. In Colossians 2.14, first of all, God says in the New Living Translation, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. What were the charges? He did away with the law. Now, hang with me, please. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he is taking it out of the way by nailing it to the cross, Galatians 2.14 that I just read. Nobody can be justified or made right with God by the law. Romans 3.20. The law is what shows people they are in sin, and it leads us to the Messiah, Galatians 3.19.24. Christ took the law out of the way, the law for some looking in online or those listening perhaps for the first time is the Old Testament and all the things that God asked the Hebrew people to do. It was a school teacher. It was a schoolmaster pointing us to what needed to really happen or what was going to happen. So Christ took the law out of the way for man. How? Christ kept and fulfilled the law perfectly. He lived the sinless life as a man upon this earth. And, and by doing so, he became, he became the standard. Here's the key. He became the standard, not the law. The law pointed to Christ, and now we don't look to the law. We look to Christ. He becomes the standard because he's higher than the law. Man is now to look to Jesus and follow him as a standard of life. The law is set aside out of the way. Christ has now fulfilled the law and become the standard for men. Let me conclude this line of reasoning and argument by telling you you do not have to worship on Friday night to Saturday night. Romans 14, 1 reminds us, first of all, the people's faith. It says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. The Sabbath has been a disputable matter ever since Jesus rose from the dead. Should we keep it? Should we not? 
I want to remind you what Romans 14, 5 says. One person considers one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. And you might be wondering what he's talking about, but Colossians 2.16 really nails it down about the subject matter. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. That was a big deal back then. Or with regard to religious festival, a new moon, a celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. I do want to say that I like to practice the Sabbath. Sabbath. Why? I want to work six days, and it's good for you and good for me if we understand the real meaning in reasoning behind the Sabbath, which ultimately leads to Christ, and that's what he's trying to explain in Romans, I mean, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4. All these are school teachers pointing to you and me the real rest that's found in Christ Jesus, and when we believe on the Lord Jesus and repent of our sins, we enter into that Sabbath. Sabbath rests eternally, and we celebrate it now. We don't have to wait then. And, and so the author of Hebrews is warning everyone in verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering the rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. The reward is found in verse 8 through 11 as I finish the reading from Hebrews 4. Once again, he's reminding the Hebrew people that Jesus is superior not only to the prophets, to Moses, to the angels. Now he mentions Joshua. Joshua was held in high esteem because he brought them in the promised land and gave them the type of rest that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They finally found it and arrive, but they didn't arrive at the real rest that he wanted to provide them. And he spells it out for, if Joshua had given them Sabbat, Sabbath, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. What's he talking about? For anyone who enters God's rest also enters rest from his works. I spelled that out earlier in Revelation chapter 14, what he was talking about. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that none will fall by following or fail by following their example of disobedience. Wrapping up. God talks about rest. He educates us about a lot of things in these couple chapters. He's superior to all these religious leaders. Superior to, I know I had the privilege yesterday of sharing my faith with a Muslim person that was doing my pool. They probably thought I was going to kick them out and not let them do my pool anymore because I asked them what kind of faith they had, and they knew I was a Christian, and, and they didn't come Friday when they were supposed to be there, and they showed up Saturday, and I said, well, I probably know why you 
came Saturday instead of Friday because it rained so much during the week. So you're here on Saturday. Yes, you do. I say, hey, hey I, I notice you're kind of skinny right now. And he, he, I said, yeah, I've been fasting for a month. Oh, that was a good step into conversation. And uh, so we started having conversation. He didn't want to get around to what he was, so I laid it out for him. Oh, you're Islam, right? Yeah. Oh, we believe in Jesus. Once again, there's a religious group of people. They believed in the Messiah. They believed in God. They saw his mighty work. They couldn't deny him parting the Red Sea. They ate because God gave them manna from heaven, but they still rebelled in unbelief. He said, you'll never enter my rest. You can be a part of a religious movement, a part of this church, listening in online, and you can miss God because of unbelief and because of disobedience. He's asked you to do something, and that is make a decision. He's also taught us about the different kind of rest that he wants to provide for us and for you and me. It begins now. Come, take my yoke upon you. This church will never put a religious burden on you here at all. We're not legalists, and we're not liberals. We're not going to have a little long list. If you do these things, you're okay with God. And if you do these things, you're not okay with God. You just read the word of God. And he said, if you love me, you obey me. I look to Christ. And the second thing he teaches, not the law. I look to Christ as the one I want to emulate. He is our hero. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is the one that provided forgiveness of sins. And I cannot obey the law. So I asked a person who came in my office yesterday, and he said, what's the difference? Because we rent to a, a messianic church. In fact, I told Jacob, the only church I want to rent to, that we want to rent to, is a messianic church. I love messianic brothers. They're believers. Some are Jewish, some aren't. And they just like to worship on a Saturday. Nothing wrong with that. So he comes in my office and said, Pastor, what's the difference between you and us? Or us and you? Oh, he shouldn't have said that. He had to sit down in my office for the next 30 minutes. I locked the door and I bolted it so he couldn't get out. <laughs> but I shared with him. There's nothing wrong with worshiping on a Saturday or Friday. To Saturday. Nothing wrong at all. But there's nothing wrong with the believer. He's teaching us that. You've entered into my rest. You've heard exactly what I wanted to offer you. But also, I'm telling you, if you get the idea of Sabbath, guess what? You work six days. It's good to take rest. Americans do not rest. You remember, back years ago, they tried to pass a law that we would only work 30 hours a week. It didn't pass. Now Americans are working 45, 55, 60 hours to make what they used to make back then if you in, in, incorporate inflation. You understand what I'm saying. We're making less. We're not resting. And everybody's medicating all their anxiety, their wounds, their problems, their troubles with medicine. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't some legitimate, legitimate problems that we need to address and get prescriptions for them. We're not talking about that. You understand we medicate it with, with alcohol. We medicate it with drugs. We're medicating it with, it could be any, any idle because we don't have rest. We're sinning against God. Intentionally, we don't have rest. We've never made a decision for Christ. We don't have that rest that he's talking about. So he's warning and ending the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. Listen, you're about to let this ship pass by. And there's nothing, there's no good news coming down the pike. It's all bad news. Right now, it's good news. So today, if you're here or you're looking at online, 
you can make that decision if you'll not harden your hearts. If God, has God ever told you something and you, you resisted it? You resisted it? <laughs> then you finally let go? If you're here today, please make that decision. We would love for you. you don't have, it's not show and tell. If you've making that decision online, would you go into the tag section and let us know and give us a number so we can follow up and help you with some material and help you in your journey? finally, believer, please, you too go share this good news. I've had more opportunities in the last four, five, six weeks to share Christ. If you're cognizant of the fact there's many people still living in rebellion, church, we're not here just to show up and check the box, but God wants us to dismiss us with a charge. Go into the world. Go into the world and be light and salt. But if you want rest, you have eternal rest, but you don't have temporary rest. The solution is what? Get right with God. Would you stand at this time? Jacob and I and some others might be standing up here just to help pray with you if you need prayer as we continue to worship God for the next couple minutes. Rest in Him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.